Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Culture Club. Money FM 89.3. It is the evening runway. Elliot Danka and Timothy go with you for Culture Club. And uh, today we're talking about how we're in this era where theatres are reshaping themselves to captivate modern audiences. Our next guest proudly upholds its enduring devotion to the timeless classics, keeping the magic alive. Theatre is magical when you're sitting there I and love it. watching yeah. theatre. And I've done some myself. Wait, you've done plays? I did a cameo on Singing in the Rain twice wow. here and in Hong Kong, but only because I was doing it for the news. Okay. Well, no, I can so see you. <laughs> so, I can so, so I did see you in Singing in the Rain. performances on stage wow. while being filmed. And it was fun. I mean, yeah. there was no, like, you know, no, it's not for the bigger audience, but it was just fun to do. Yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, but yes, as you were saying, you know, they're trying to capture a bigger audience yeah. these days. Yeah. And there's ABA Production, okay. which is a global storytellers besides creating original production, they also breathe life into stories that have captured hearts for generations. Yeah, you're talking things like Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, Peter Pan, uh, Rondell's Tales. I mean, all these, I guess people would call it timeless. Would that be right? They are timeless. And these are, you know, timeless stories and timeless productions, of course. But you need to breathe new life into Mm. it to capture today's audience. Well, uh, ABA Productions are going to try bringing the musical adaptation of, remember Hmm. this one, Madagascar. (laughs) This should be quite interesting in a theater form. Uh, It's coming to Singapore in January next year. And on the line with us is Matthew Gregory, the executive producer for ABA Productions. Matthew, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Okay, Matthew, tell us more about ABA Productions. How did it start and what exactly does ABA stand for? Oh, that's a great question. It's a good place to start. ABA Productions actually stands for Awfully Big Adventure. <laughs> and the reason for that is because our first, the company was put together in 2005 to stage a very large production of Peter Pan, mm-hmm. which some of your listeners may remember, it actually toured to the Esplanade Theatre. Um, it went all around the region. It went to KL, it went to Taipei, it was in Hong Kong, Manila. And we, and we loved Peter Pan so much that we basically named the company after a line that Peter Pan says. And then since then, it's all taken a life of its own. And uh, as you were saying in the intro there, things have developed. We have brought into the region and into Singapore especially many classics, whether they're for the family or older audiences, primarily from the UK, but also from other places around the world as well. Which would you say is your biggest success then? Oh, oh, that's a good question. The one that keeps coming round is actually something which is for younger children. And it's the picture book, The Gruffalo, by Julia Donaldson and Axel Scheffler, which was turned into a stage production by a company in London called Tall Stories. And that we have probably, I can't tell you exactly, but we've probably brought that to Singapore eight times in the last 15 years. So does ABA produce your own theatre productions or do you bring in or produce theatre productions that are already running in other parts of the world? 
So it's a mixture of both. Okay. When we first started, we purely created our own work. So we did Peter Pan, then we did a large version of Around the World in 80 Days. Mm-hmm. And then from about 2008 onwards, we diversified and started to bring in productions that had already been staged. So the first one of those was a very critically acclaimed production of Waiting for Godot by Samuel Beckett from Dublin. And we brought that out and that was a great success. There hadn't been a lot of things going on like that in the scene, I think, at that time. And that then led us to think, can we find new dramas, not just musicals, not just family shows, can we find a bit more drama and bring that into Singapore as well? And that led to our relationship with Shakespeare's Globe. Mm. And we've worked with Shakespeare's Globe since 2013, when they came to Fort Canning Park with The Taming of the Shrew. Uh, And that was the first time they'd been, I think, anywhere in Asia at all. Wow. And, you know, it sounds like such a rich history as well. I am curious to get your personal observation. What have you seen in terms of how the audience has changed? Is it a demographic thing? Are we seeing younger people watch plays now? There's definitely been a change. I mean, obviously, everyone would probably expect there to have been a change because of COVID. Sure. What? Uh, but before, let's just go back before that. So up to early 2020, I would say that not only was the audience growing, there was a greater willingness to try new things. Uh, so to go and see, obviously, people do go and see things they've heard of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, big musicals or things that, like Madagascar that have been turned from a movie into a stage show. But I noticed a greater willingness to see something that they didn't perhaps know. So when we were bringing less prominent Shakespeare titles out like Pericles or the Comedy of Errors, people would still come because they were interested and it didn't have to be A Midsummer Night's Dream or The Tempest or King Lear. And we certainly hope that will continue. Obviously, it all stopped for, you know, a good two and a half years where we could do almost nothing. Mm. Um, Since we've started bringing shows back into Singapore post-COVID, the response has been better than before. And I think it's because there was a vacuum. You know, people hadn't been to the theatre. And I think people just want to go out and enjoy themselves and be indulged and just spend a couple of hours doing something completely different. So I think especially in Singapore, the future is quite bright for this sort of thing. Matthew, except for Singapore and perhaps Manila, around the region, though, is it a challenge to bring in or to stage productions, which I assume would be predominantly in English, in countries where the audience might not be predominantly English-speaking? It certainly can be. So we also operate a lot in Hong Kong, which is actually where I am at the moment because we open Madagascar tomorrow in in Hong Kong. And here, we obviously, there's a large English-speaking audience, but predominantly Cantonese-speaking audience. Mm -hmm. So we have Chinese surtitles on the sides of the stage. And we, for all the larger shows, we make sure we do that. Because otherwise, yes, you are excluding some people who would 
wouldn't be able to connect with what's going on on stage so successfully. And we don't want that to happen. We want everybody to be able to access it, to have a good time and really get involved with watching the performance. And similarly, if we were in Taipei, we would do the same. Or when we've been up in Shanghai, we do the same. Um, clearly, Singapore's a little bit more straightforward on that front because it's, uh, you know, nearly everyone speaking English. So we don't need the subtitles. What does it mean for you, Matthew, when, you know, we talked about this in an introduction talking about keeping classics alive. I mean, for me personally, I don't see any other way Peter Pan could be told on stage. What are your thoughts there? (laughs) You know, I think the story can remain the same. I think everyone knows the story of Peter Pan. But really, any production is about the group of people who who come together to stage it. So that's not just the performers that you see when you go to the theatre. But way before that ever happened, there were probably many people in a room talking about ideas, looking at storyboards, considering what the sets and the costumes might look like, thinking about the music, all those things coming together. And I always think that every show is about the people who are in that room all the way from the beginning, which could have been years before you ever see it. Um, So, you know, back to what you said, Peter Pan, yep, it's the same story, but it's in the imaginations of the people who created it on this occasion. And also it's in the imagination of the audience members watching it. There's nothing like the anticipation of going to the theatre because in your mind, you're creating what's going to happen on stage. Then you go to the theatre and you see how some other people do it and then you can align that or, you know, that can challenge your expectations or it can align with them. And it creates a great talking point afterwards for your friends or, or in an educational environment in the classroom. All right, Matthew, having said that, classics is what people want to watch. And when they go into the theater, they're expecting something that they're used to seeing. But in terms of growing your audience, you also need to tell the story and present the story in a different way for a different audience, for a different age group, a different demographics these days. How do you balance that out? Because you will have people who would go in a theater wanting to watch a typical production. <laughs> yeah. And then you would have younger people perhaps who would probably prefer something like Hamilton or, you know, it's a different way of presenting right. it. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those. I want to watch how new things are done, but at the same time, I also want to feel like I'm going into something that I'm familiar with. Absolutely. And I think people can sort of, I think when people hear that there is a production coming, don't just blindly book a ticket. I do think they look at the information about it and they do consider whether it's the sort of production they want to go and see. Mm -hmm. Obviously, with something like Hamilton, many, many people know what that is or could have even seen it somewhere else in the world. And they're going specifically because it's Hamilton and it is done in this most marvelous way. If you're going to see something like Romeo and Juliet, for example, which we just had at the Victoria Theatre about six weeks ago, you've got a choice there. You're going, to, you're going to say, is this a classic production, a little bit like the Hamlet that we had from Shakespeare's Globe in 2015? Or is this going to be a modern take? If it's a modern take, am I worried about that? Or am I excited by that? And the Romeo and Juliet we had was extremely contemporary. It had a lot of live, loud music on stage. In fact, all the performers were what we call actor musos in the trade, which means they played 
multiple instruments live on stage as well as acting and performing. I do think that when something like Shakespeare is done differently, as in not necessarily in an old-fashioned traditional manner, many people enjoy it much more than they might think they would have beforehand. Would Madagascar the musical then be one way of reaching out to a younger audience or a new audience? Definitely, definitely. What we find with Madagascar, it is extremely closely based on the 2005 hit movie. So if you love the movie, which many people did, you're going to get that on stage louder and bigger than you're probably expecting. Now, what it does is it doesn't just draw out families because the families do come and see it. They bring their kids. But you get a lot of people in their 20s, 30s, 40s who grew up with these movies. I think there's three of them. And um, they remember the movie fondly and they want to come and see it as well. So you see friend groups or office groups coming without children. In fact, when we staged this years ago before, not in Singapore, we found that more of the audience was adults than children. Well, there you go. I mean, I'm a grown, fully yeah. grown adult and I enjoy all these <laughs> classics as well. So, Matthew, what do I have to do to get a cameo as one of the penguins or King Julian? <laughs> oh, I like to move it. Let's move do it. it. Okay, we, no? we've yeah. got time. I, I heard that you're in uh, Singing in the Rain in Hong Kong. Uh, that'll be Tim. That'll be I, Tim. <laughs> I did that early in Hong Kong, I think early 2002 when uh, there was a production of Singing in the Rain. Then they Okay, came. well, the funny thing about that was the boy who tap danced in that production was, was our Peter Pan oh, in oh, Singapore. Oh, 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 okay. What a small world. Okay. It is a small world. We're going to audition. We're going to try. And then we'll surprise the audience. (laughs) We've been speaking with Matthew Gregory, who's executive producer, ABA Productions. Matthew, thank you so much for your time. Take in all the best for Madagascar the musical. Thank you. I hope to see you there. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.